everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Private Club Radio. I'm your host, Denny Corby, and we have a fantastic episode this week. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Private Club Radio. I'm your host, Denny Corby, and this week we have a fun episode. We get to sit down and chat with one of my really, really, really good friends, uh, pretty much family at this point, Mr. Lee Stahl, CCM, CCE, a.k.a. the Godfather, as he's known down south in his Pelican chapter of the CMAA. But uh, we have a really cool episode this week. He is one of the reasons probably why I do as many clubs as I am involved in the club industry, in the club world. Uh, he was one of the first people in the uh, to, to give me an opportunity to come travel and perform at his club. And uh, that started a amazing uh, relationship, friendship, familyship. I have no idea what to call it, but we uh, we have an amazing talk. We have an amazing talk. We uh, talk about his early, early years growing up, uh, how his career got started in the club world. And something I took away was one of his first club managers said to him, if you want to grow, you got to go. Uh, so we talk about that a little bit. We talk about having some skin in the game about what it takes sometimes, even if you might not have full support, but just uh, doing what you have to, putting your own skin in the game to make it work. And really just, uh, we have a really cool, fun conversation. I'm really excited about this. Uh, at one point, you hear about how uh, he invited me to come perform at one of his clubs and a table in the front just fell asleep. So you hear about how some people fell asleep during one of my shows. They were really, really old. Uh, so don't judge me based off that. But uh, this is a really fun episode. Before we do get started in the episode, though, I do want to say a couple of things is we did have some tech issues. And by we, I mean me. Um, me and Lee were chatting right when this all first came about. This is when we recorded our episode. And I was a little bit new and still am new to this whole uh, interviewing podcasting platform. And the platform I used, uh, we had a little bit of te technical difficulty. So I wanted this to be our first episode because to me, um, he was kind of one of the first to give me a start. And this is a new start. So I thought it'd be cool to have him be on the first episode, but had a little bit of uh, technical issues where I had to go and manually and fix a lot of the audio. So you're going to hear a lot of clicks, a lot of background noise, uh, some barking. Uh, a lot of that's me. I tried to take out as much as I can, so I apologize, but please bear, bear with me through it. Uh, and the interview was longer. We had some really good nuggets, especially at the very end, but unfortunately they got cut off. But uh, we are going to have another talk again. We are going to bring Lee back on. We're going to have some more fun conversations because he is really is uh, an amazing person with tons of valuable knowledge uh, that I just want to share and uh, chat with him about. So uh, like I said, thank you so much for tuning in. I apologize for the lateness of this episode. I wanted it to be the first one, but uh, it, it is what it is. I apologize about the tech. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Mr. Lee Stahl, the Godfather. You know, I thought before I bring Lee on, I should maybe reintroduce myself and describe, explain where I kind of came from a little bit, uh, what got me to this interview with Lee, what got me to hear Private Club Radio, kind of what I also do, just so you can kind of get a feel for who I am as a person. So 
I am Denny Corby. I travel the country doing a magic and comedy show. It's the Denny Corby Experience. I do it in primarily two markets, the private club, so all of our city clubs, country clubs, yacht clubs, you name it. And the other is business events. So uh, sales meetings, after dinner shows, holiday parties, all that fun stuff. So it's basically your people just in their business environment instead of at your club. So I grew up, still live right outside Scranton, Pennsylvania, a little town called Clark Summit now, but I grew up in Scranton. If you uh, watch the TV show The Office, you know Scranton. Uh, There's the paper supply company, Dunder Mifflin. Uh, This is a true story. My family owns the paper supply company in Scranton, and the running joke is that my dad tells people that I quit the family business to turn tricks for a living. So, uh, <laughs> no, so that's the fun story. I actually uh, probably can't make that joke anymore now. Uh, Dad sold the family business, uh, sold it off uh, a couple of months ago. So now I have to do the magic full time. No, I'm kidding. But uh, they're, they're really cool parents. Ever, ever since I was younger, I've uh, worked in all uh, facets of the family business. Uh, got up to sales in one of, the, one of the companies and parents knew I didn't love it, but always had a uh, passion and love and uh, uh, yearning, I guess, so to speak, for uh, performing, doing doing magic, making people laugh and smile, comedy. So I um, was always doing shows throughout my career and uh, just growing up and then finally was working for the family biz, doing some stuff and my parents knew I didn't love it. And uh, I was early 20s and they said, hey, listen, we know you kind of don't love working here. Why don't you kind of, you know, go, go and try the magic full time? You know, you don't want to be 30, 40, 50, 60, however old, looking back on life going, ah, whatever. Um, so I'm very fortunate that they uh, gave me the push, the opportunity to go and try this entertainment career full time because um, it, it's been working. <laughs> so um, that's kind of what got me to here. And um, I started doing a lot of shows, realized I started clicking and doing a lot with the private club community. I was performing for a lot of private clubs uh, for their members. I was doing a, uh, shows at clubs uh, for for the members uh, in, in particular for, for their events. So I just started diving into this private club world. And uh, from there, I kind of did some research and I found the CMAA and I just started finding uh, out all about the club world and I stumbled upon Lee Stahl and uh, I found Lee's club. It looked really cool. It looked um, really, really fun and I called him and he uh, didn't answer right away. He, <laughs> I left him a voicemail, but he called me back and from there, what turned into a voicemail and a callback turned into a really great uh, pretty much, uh, I, I would say we call each other family at this point. Uh, so what was client turned friend turned, uh, I don't know what, but he is, uh, one of probably one of the main reasons I've got as involved in the, in the club world. He introduced me to the CMAA and just the inner workings of, uh, really, you know, how clubs work and everything always was there to give me guidance, answer questions about the club world and things. So, uh, this is a really cool episode for me. That's a little bit of background of kind of who I am, where, where I came from, what I'm still doing. Uh, I still travel doing club shows in the weekends. We do this podcast by day, 
shows by night uh, for now. But uh, but yeah, so I'm super excited. This is going to be a really fun episode. If you listened through this, great. Uh, make sure you connect with me on the socials. Uh, obviously, we have the Private Club Radio, LinkedIn, and Instagram. I am on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn. Denny Corby, you can find me on there. I'm always sharing and posting all the private club radio stuff but uh that's it for now now let's get to the episode uh if you know if you break it down you know my little club career you know you were one of the first ones to like give me a shot and uh here we are you know client turned friend turned i don't know what to call us at this point family basically (laughs) but um but, you know, from, you know, and this has only been, what, seven, eight years. Um, and, you know, I got introduced to you as uh, the godfather. So I'm very happy to have the godfather here chatting with me. Uh, Lee Stahl, CCE, CCM, absolute beast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just absolutely love your story and uh, kind of fortunate, too, when I was thinking about it, when I was, uh, you know, getting my notes ready for having this talk. Um you know, I, I'm fortunate to almost watch the journey a tiny bit um, because you were at, uh, you know, Lawn Tennis Club, New Orleans Lawn Tennis Club for what was it? 30 years? 31. <clears throat> Th- 31 years. Yeah. Uh, and I believe I caught the last two, three years maybe. And then from there going on to all your uh, interim. Uh, give us, give me, uh, like the the brief rundown. You know, so you know, how'd you get into the club world, and uh, how's your last thirty years at one club? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a student uh, at the University of New Orleans in the hospitality program, and there was a uh, a job posting board, <clears throat> and I noticed they were advertising for banquet bartenders at New Orleans Lawn Tennis Club, and I went and applied, and I was hired. That was in the fall of 86. And so I worked a few parties. And in December of 86, the manager called me up. He says, look, so the assistant manager just put in his notice. He's going to go take a GM spot at another local club. Would you like to apply to be the assistant manager? And I said, yeah, it'd be great. So we went and met on a Sunday morning at a local McDonald's and had coffee. And he interviewed me and he offered me the job right then and there. And so I worked for him uh, at New Orleans Lawn Tennis Club as the assistant for three years. And it was uh, one of those positions where if you're going to grow, you got to go. Because the GM said he was going to be staying. He wasn't going anywhere. And I knew I was ready for for something else other than the tennis club. So I left and went to the Pickwick Club, which is a men's luncheon club, a city club in New Orleans. I was there for six months as the assistant manager and the guy who was the manager at the tennis club who told me he was never going to leave, put his notice in saying he was going to be leaving. (laughs) 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 But we were very lucky that we had a lot of mutual members at the two clubs. And so I had kept in close contact with the the tennis club and they called me immediately and asked me to come back as the GM. And so I did that in uh, July of 1990. And I was there until April of 2018. And uh, 
the, the club grew while I was there. Of course, I grew personally and professionally. Um, got married, started a family, raised two amazing young men. And uh, in 2018, the, the, the climate changed, the culture of the club was changing. And I just felt like it was not a direction that I wanted to go in. So I put my notice in uh, that I was resigning. And so I did so. And I left there in April of 2018, thinking that I was retired and I was just going to live my life playing pickleball the rest of my life and hanging out with my wife and visiting kids. They both live in other states. Uh, so that was the plan. And then in June of 18, the phone rings and it's Southern Yacht Club in New Orleans and they're looking for a GM. And so I went there thinking I was going to go there on an interim basis for a few months. <clears throat> I wound up spending nine months there and they hadn't made any progress toward looking for a new manager. And I said, listen, <laughs> when are we going to start this search? And they said, oh, well, we kind of canceled the search because you're here. And <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, wait a minute, nobody told me. So um, I told them that I was ready to go. And so I helped them. I placed the new manager there um, and helped them with the transition and retired again, I thought. Uh, then a few months later, I got a call from Houston Yacht Club. They were looking for an interim. So I went there for four months, uh, placed the manager, came home. About eight months later, they called me up they, at Houston. They said, well, this fellow didn't really work out for us. It wasn't a good fit. Come do it again, which I did. And I went and spent five more months there um, with them and, and brought a new guy in and placed him. And he's been there since. Um, I just spoke to him this morning, in fact. Um, great guy and great membership. And um, so he's been there over about two years now. Um, and then in the fall of 21, uh, got a great, uh, opportunity to be interim assistant GM at the Shreveport club in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, fantastic. Love the Shreveport oh, club. Fantastic, uh, city club, dining, lunch and dinner only, um, white glove service, table side food preparation. I mean, just fantastic. And I was there for eight weeks, uh, serving as assistant GM and the lead of their search for a new uh, assistant GM, which we were able to hire someone. And he's just uh, recently uh, made his full first full year there. Um, Very nice. So he's doing great. And I didn't work at all in, in 2022. And 23 just started, so I'm not sure what the future holds. But I'm looking forward to going to conference again this year. That's something I've always enjoyed doing. Um, in the 33 years I've been at CMAA, I've probably been to 25 or 26 world conferences. So always love that. The really? Yeah. The networking there is just as important as the continued education. So I love doing that. Um, yeah. So that kind of brings you up to speed on what I'm doing. Uh, I want to go back to that. You said the manager at the club said, if you want to grow, you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, well, why do you think he said that? Well, because uh, he was in the number one spot and I was in the number two spot. And in other words, he wasn't leaving. So 
if I wanted to be the boss, it was going to have to be somewhere else. Um, so, and I understood that. Um, so. Now, is 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 that common? Meaning to be that upfront, like a to a as a GM to be that up? Is that like a common thing, or is that like a, a not so common? You know, is that like a yeah? Go ahead. Well, uh, you know, I went to him and I said, are, are you going to be staying? Are you going to be leaving? Um, and he says, why? And I said, well, you know, I don't want to be the wingman forever. I've been here three years. I've, I've learned just about everything I can learn from you and from this club and this membership and the experience that I've gained here. Um, I need to get more experience uh, and I'll probably have to do that somewhere else unless you're going to be leaving. And then I would hopefully get the GM spot. And, of course, be able to grow into that position uh, as the club group. And he said, no, he says, I'm not leaving. I'm a New Orleans guy, and I've been here my whole life, and I'm going to stick with that with this club, and this probably be my last job. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to look for something else. And he knew that, and he was fine with that. I gave him proper notice, of course, and everything. And uh, we're still friends to this day. Uh, and that was back in 1989 uh, when we quit working together. So... Um, and you know, it's important, uh, throughout my career, <clears throat> whenever I had what I'll call a superstar, uh, employee, um, I would approach them, um, and say, listen, um, I, I think you're capable of more than we, than we can offer you here. The challenges you, we can give you, you certainly overcome. And so you're capable of more, uh, would you like me to keep my eyes and ears open for something else at another club? Uh, where I think you'd be a good fit. And to a man or to a woman, they all said, oh, wow, yes, please. <laughs> you know? um, and so I was able to place people throughout my career. Um, of course, there are some people that don't fit the bill and you, you don't want to approach them with something like that because the last thing you want to do is to push someone off on someone else that's not meeting the standard for you. Um, which we wouldn't do that. <laughs> which is like so. the, the, probably a very, very wrong thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Funny, yeah. but, but, but not. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we have this sort of a code that we won't poach employees from one club to another without the manager's approval. Um, at the same token, you know, I don't want to push somebody off on somebody else that I'm having a problem. So here you take this problem. You know, I, I wouldn't do that either. Um, and so, you know, this, it, it just depends on the, the club. It depends on the club manager. Um, our youngest son is an, an assistant manager at a large country club in Mississippi. And the, the, uh, he's in the number three spot there. Uh, the number two guy and the number one guy have both been there for a long time and doesn't look like they'll be leaving anytime soon. And so the position my son is in, they've had four different people in that position in the last 10 years. And so that's a, a spot where uh, unless something happens and one of the top two guys moves on to something else, it's the spot where you're probably going to stay two, three years, maybe four, and then you're going to look for something else. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be stuck in that spot forever until something happens to one of those guys. So that's what I mean when I say, you know, if you want to grow, you got to go. Um, and you want people like that. You want people to work for you that have ambition, show initiative. Want to want to learn, want to grow. Um, that's the kind of people you want. Somebody who's keeping you on your toes. Because if you slack off, 
and you got a superstar working for you, somebody's going to say, you know, maybe the old guy's seen his, his days, his best days are behind him, you know. Uh, so at least that's my theory. That's my, that's how I always handle things. I've seen you encounter a lot of different people of different levels, um, different positions in a club um, throughout the years in different capacities, both in when you've been there as a manager and also when, you know, you've come as a guest to come, you know, see me do a show at somebody else's club or if, or if we just met somewhere uh, at a club just to uh, hang out. But the the appreciation and the respect people have for you uh, is absolutely tremendous. Um, you know, any place you go into that you've been there and worked or not, uh, people remember you. Uh, you remember people. It's uh, it's truly amazing. Well, um, and I'm grateful for the relationship that I've had with all of the employees wherever I've worked. Um, I, I have a nurturing nature about myself. Um, uh, I sort of become the, uh, you know, the papa bear or the protector, if you will, or, or whatever you call it. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not only their boss, but I'm their mentor. Um uh, an advisor and uh, I treat everyone the way I want to be treated. Everyone gets treated with respect and dignity and you have to be able to relate to people on every level. And of course that goes for the members as well. Uh, you're talking to members who may be at the top of their industry and you're talking to members who may just be getting into an industry in an entry level position and you need to be able to speak to everyone. Uh, and everyone in between. And so I've done that. And I've been blessed over the years where employees, uh, former employees uh, have called me throughout my career uh, to say, thank you. You don't know what you did for me, the path that you showed me, uh, the corrections you made in my behavior or my attitude or whatever it may be. Um, I've written countless letters of recommendation for young folks who are applying for graduate school, um, applying to be uh, teachers or educators and working with young people. Um, I've been interviewed by the FBI, by the Secret Service, um, <laughs> because, you know. We probably should have led uh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> The word that uh, I keep kind of going back to, you said it relatable, but also uh, leadership. Um, do you think it's learned? Do you think it's natural? you think it's a mixture of both? Where do you think it comes from uh, for you? Because, you know, obviously, you know, you have your CCM and your CCE, um, but, you know, there's always that age old debate too. you know, can you teach leadership? Is it, is it something that you're born with? Is it a mixture of both? Um, you know, how were you with professional development? Well, um, to, to answer your first part of your question, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think you have some of it within you. Uh, that you've just learned throughout your life as, as you were raised with your parents and grandparents and, and others in your life and your uh, coming up. Um, and then the, the people that you are.
major decisions, much more major decisions than we would ever have to deal with um, in our business. And you learn from those people and you, you get to pick their brains and you just listen to the, even if you're just listening in on a conversation that others are having and picking up great bits of information. Um, and of course our mentors um, in, throughout the industry, um, you might be able to find a couple dozen people say, oh, Lee Stahl is my mentor, but Lee Stahl can name a couple dozen people that are his mentor as well. So there's a lot of that. Um, and that goes back to all the, what they talked about as far as the networking. When we get together, as a, whether it's a local chapter or whether it's on a national basis, the CMA World Conference or any of the BMI courses or things like that, conferences, workshops, um, you just try to make as many connections as possible. And we learn from others. Um, so, uh, and then, of course, the continued education um, uh, absolutely would not have been able to accomplish what I have throughout my career if it wasn't for the continued education through the Club Management Association. Um, those folks do a great job. Everything is current. They stay on top of things in every part of our industry. There's someone there that's responsible for that and making sure that we're made aware of all the latest and greatest. So can't say enough about CMA. First conference that I went to was in um, 1991, my first world conference on club management. And I didn't have a budget from my club for professional development. Uh, they had never participated in anything like that before. And so I didn't have a budget. So I went on my own dime. And my goal was to come up with, uh, find ideas, learn about new products, anything that, would, that I could use and come back to my club and put in place to save money. And I was able to accomplish that. And so at the very next board meeting I went to, when I got back, I said, uh, guys, I went to this conference and here's some of the things that I learned. And this is some of the things that we changes that we're going to make, and this is how much money we're going to save. And it was more than ten times what it cost to send me to that conference. And so somebody mm -hmm. on the board said, "Well, did we pay to send you to that conference?" I said, "No, I, w I went on my own, but I'm I'm hoping that you know by showing you what I'm able to achieve by attending this, the club would consider a you know future professional development line on the budget." And at that meeting that night, a proposal was made. They reimbursed me for all my expenses for that conference. And from then on, I had a very generous professional development budget uh, throughout my tenure at the club. You know, it's uh, you don't see a lot of people sometimes willing to put in that little bit of investment, put put a little bit of skin into the game. Uh, you know, it's always when it's when it's your own money, it's always a little bit different. So. You know, and I think that was genius of, you know, kind of going to them and taking the time after to go, okay, I'm going to save them all, all of this money. I'm, I'm going to show them. I'm not just going to like tell them. Right. Right. Who were, who were some of your mentors? Well, um, my very first one was a gentleman by the name of Arvinder Vilku. He's an Indian, of this Indian descent, and he was the manager at the Pickwick Club in New Orleans, and he was really the 
the very first person that I met that I would tell you is a, a food and beverage expert, an absolute genius, a fantastic chef in his own right. Um, he retired from his club after 31 years, and he and his family opened a restaurant in New Orleans. The first year they were open, they won Best New Restaurant in New Orleans for the year. Uh, they have since been James Beard finalists a couple of times and just doing fantastic. Um, they bought another property, and later this year they'll be opening a second restaurant with an absolutely different theme, a whole different menu and everything. And his wife and uh, both his son and daughter are involved with the restaurant and just doing great. And uh, so I worked with him for six months at the Pickwick Club, and he really taught me more about food and beverage in those six months than I had learned in the three previous years at the tennis club. Um, so that was fantastic. And then I was able to bring a lot of what I learned from him back to the tennis club and enhance the food and beverage program at the tennis club. Um, so he was probably my first. Uh, and then as I joined the association, um, a great friend named George Constance uh, was managing River Hills Club in Jackson, Mississippi. And it was a tennis club very similar to New Orleans Lawn Tennis Club. And George was a veteran of the business. And so uh, he was another early mentor of mine just because if I had a question, I would go to him because, you know, we were um, sort of paisans because we both ran tennis clubs. Um, uh, John O'Mara in, in Lafayette. Uh, John O was probably the original godfather. Um, John O knows, <laughs> he, he knows a lot about a lot. And if you bring up the subject, he's been there, done that. He's experienced it. Um, he started in the business, I want to say in the late 60s or early 70s, uh, down in Pensacola, Florida. And he spent at several different clubs throughout his career, and he's still involved. He, he also does interim work. Uh, he most recently retired from a long stint at the Petroleum Club of Lafayette, um, and he and I are close friends to this day. Danny, I want to, at some point, I want to talk about you and, and how we met each other and developed the relationship we have over the years. So whenever you think it's appropriate uh if we can get to that whenever all right yeah uh so how yeah i always uh, I, I i love when you tell it um because it's just such a funny story to me because it was so strange and looking back i was like this could have been like tv worthy like <laughs> scenario of what happened um <laughs> so I like thought I was going to die. No, kidding. So uh so I remember when I was first starting out, I was early 20s, mid 20s and I was uh getting more into the into the club world. I was performing a lot uh for a couple of local clubs and then, you know, in my area and coming from a you know, a family entrepreneurial business background. I was like, okay, so a lot of these clubs that are that are hiring me, I started doing some research and finding out about the CMAA. So I knew, okay, hey, there's, you know, an association and a lot of the clubs that I've been doing shows for are a part of that association, which means anybody who's part of that association must, you know, do fun events. Because if they're, you know, people like you who are being 
you know, pr- uh, proactive about their professional development, um, all that fun stuff. So I went on the, the website and it says all the clubs that are members of the CMAA. So I was like, all right, well, there's my client list. So I just called, I started calling people and you were one of the, I think, I forget why I even called Louisiana first. I think I was like, I just want to try to get out wherever. And I called, I left you a voicemail and you called me back and um, basically said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. But this was like the start of a beautiful yeah. relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, started with the voicemail. Yeah. And uh, I get this voicemail from this very enthusiastic young man. And I said, well, I got, I got to call this guy back, you know, because, um, you know, truth be told, we don't return every call, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, trust me. <laughs> I know. So I called you back. And I mean, you were just a fireball of energy and telling me about your show and what you do and, and this whole thing. And it sounded very good. And I thought, well, you know, in the private club and the nature of things, um, you know, we sort of have this protective umbrella that we keep over ourselves. I said, you know, I, have you done this at other clubs? And you said, yeah, I've been to, I forget how many at the time. And uh, I said, well, give me some references. Give me three guys or three club managers that I can call and get a reference. And you did. And I called them and every single one of them said, Lee, I promise you, if you're not happy and your members are not happy with Danny's performance, I will pay you back whatever fee you personally, they were going to reimburse me. And that's how strongly they endorsed your performance and, and your and yourself. Um, so I said, "Well, that's good enough for me," because I knew that no club manager would would say that unless they meant it. Because that's just the fraternity we have. We we take care of one another. We don't try to um, sabotage each other. So um, yeah. <laughs> I, I brought you in and. That first show, I mean, people were just, I think we had around 50 or 60, um, in, including the, the table with the people who fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen, listen. I think that was the second show. I think that was the second time I was there. Let's not, actually, maybe that was the first, but that was amazing. Um, uh, anyway, you, <laughs> but they were the oldest. Like, they were so oldly. I don't know why you sat them so close. Like, actually, I can understand why you put them close. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. That was so funny. And what was interesting is your club really didn't do stuff like that, right? Like you didn't really do events. And then, and then you you also had food involved. Uh, And I think I remember something happened there, but you were also then like hands-on as soon as something happened or needed help, as soon as anything seemed to be behind or started to even look like it was going to be behind you automatically stepped in whether it was helping the bartender getting more glad whatever it was you were just there. yeah I, i'm not sure what it was but it could have been any number of things i could have been helping played up in the kitchen i mean who, who knows um but that's fine you know that's that's the things that we do and um i always did that um still do that to this day if necessary so uh, that that part of it never bothered me at all but yeah you're right that yours was like the springboard of okay so we've discovered this segment of the membership that hardly ever comes over to the club because whatever the physical activities are that we are offering swimming, fitness, tennis, um, they just aren't into that anymore, but they would like to come to social events. 
they feel comfortable at the club. They feel they feel safe. There's parking. It's secure. It's near their home, so they don't have to go too far. And so they come over to see what this is all about, and they absolutely loved it. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure we had you back six months after the first visit. We had you come back again for a second visit, and your show was so good that probably half the people who were at, were at the first show came back to the second show. Because they said, I got to figure out how he's doing this. I can't, I can't figure out how he's doing this. Um, and then uh, I, I guess I probably had you come by the club, I think a total of five or six times at New Orleans Lawn Tennis Club before I left. Um, and then. Uh, and they were just sold out. It was like, it was crazy because people just kept coming. Oh, it, was it was awesome. And then, of course, you got bigger uh, and bigger. I think one time I was like, I think one time too, I was like, yeah, let me just do like a, a workshop for the uh, kids. Oh, yeah. so, so I just came in early, brought in some stuff. We like hung out with some of the kids for like an hour or two or something, That's like right. 90 minutes. We just taught them some magic. I, actually, it didn't like uh, an adult or, or two come oh, yeah. too, I think. Like just like some of the older members, like I want to yeah. learn some magic. Uh, that, that was a that lot was of fun. Great. That was really <laughs> great. And that was great of you to bring that up and make that offer. And I'm glad we had good participation in that. That was a lot of fun. Um, and when I was at, uh, <laughs> I, I was at Southern of... Yacht Club and I told him, I said, listen, we got to get this guy over here. And the Commodore really didn't buy into it. He supported it because he wanted to be supportive of me, but he really wasn't too enthusiastic about it. So we limited the crowd to 100 people. And of course, naturally, 104 showed up because, you know, I swear I made a reservation. Yeah, okay. So anyway, <laughs> we, we, we had that first show. I think you, you may remember it was Valentine's. And um, when the show was over, I'm, I'm standing there at the door as people are leaving, and I'm giving out roses for the ladies and everything. And you were with me, I think. And the, and the Commodore came over, and he says, you know, when you first brought this idea up, he said, I didn't think it had a snowball's chance in hell. He said, but this has been one of the best events we've ever had at this club. And I, I, I congratulate you. And um, I just was smiling from ear to ear because I was like, uh-huh, I told you. <laughs> now, one of my, one of my favorite uh, moments was when I learned about your Godfather <laughs> title because – I flew in and I was mid twenties and this is like probably one of my, like, I, you know, I've done a bunch of shows, but like, haven't like flown for, for too many, maybe like one, like one before. So I was like, okay, I got my like Uber ready or I think you're like a rental car. I, I don't, I don't remember, but you were like, I'll pick you up. And I was like, okay. Like it was just looking back, it was very shady. <laughs> and then uh, you're like, I'll, I'll drive you to the hotel. I was like, Okay, you're like, and then uh, I could I could pick you up and bring you to the club, but then at the same time coming in, I was like, okay, so I I figured I will let Lee pick me up. So, <laughs> you know, my my parents like, oh, you're flying to a gig. They're like, where are you staying? I was like, oh, like one of the hotels. They're like, which one? I was like, I don't really know. I think I at that time did like hotels.com or something, and uh, they're like, well, how you getting to to the hotel? I was like, oh, the guy's gonna pick me up. She's like, who? I was like, oh, the guy who works for the club. They're like, oh, 
Okay. Like it was just, it, like looking back, it was a little shady, but no. Uh, but I remember when we were in the car, um, because you also, uh, called Mr. Mr. Hamrick, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Ken Hamrick over yeah. at, uh, Metairie, who's now a super uh, successful mm-hmm. realtor in the, mm-hmm. in, in the area down there. And, um, so he booked me as well, but then I think something was happening downtown. I think we did like yours on a Thursday or Friday and then his on like the Friday or Saturday, whatever, whatever it worked out to. But I remember something big ended up going on downtown and all the members were going there. So they like lost, you know, like most of the people coming to the show were, you know, are fun people. Uh, so they were obviously going to this thing, thing downtown. So he, so I'm in the car and, uh, you're like, okay, so, um, Mr. Hamrick over at the club, um, he's, we're, we're going to call him right now on, on speakerphone. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, it's just like, oh, like what? You're going to have this guy call speakerphone. So I was giggling at that. But uh, basically what happened was um, we had to uh, switch days and stuff. It was just to me, it was just a really funny interaction because uh, you were it was like just this like three way negotiation of like how we're all going to like work this through. And I like just landed from a plane coming to a gig with the guy that know was going to like pick me up. Like it was just like this funny, like, like looking back to me, like how our first interaction started, but like, you know, that just makes total sense. That's just who you are, who you were. Um, just the, you know, it, it's everything that you talked about, the, the relationships, the, the leader, you know, it's just, it goes back to like that, that re- relatability and just, just being a genuine person. Um, well, thanks yeah. Danny. I mean, that's, that's sort of, uh, you know, that's how that we were raised. I mean, that's, you know, they talk about Southern hospitality, but that really is it. Um, and that's how we all are around here. One of the things you mentioned um, was coordinating with the other clubs. I always enjoyed uh, when we would book you to come into New Orleans, I would try to get two or three other clubs to book you on the consecutive nights so that you could come in and maybe spend up to a week in the area. Um, and then we have a agreement between the clubs if there were members who were just dying to see you but they couldn't make it to the performance at our club one of the other managers will say well i'm not i'm not sold out tell your members to come here and can you take a couple of mine and so we were able to do that and that worked out great well there you have it thank you so much for listening to this episode with mr lee stall the godfather down in the pelican chapter area uh, we are having conference soon. We're going to conference soon. We're going to be there. Uh, if you are going, make sure you come say hello. I will be over at the members only show booth with the Michael Guten plan. We're going to be over there. Uh, come pop over, say hello. We can do some really cool, fun magic. We'll make you laugh and smile. We're here just to have a good time, but make sure we connect over at conference. Uh, the next couple episodes coming up soon, we are working on some new uh, segments, some new ideas. So we'll be working and uh, putting some of those out there as well. Well, like I said, we are new. And when I say we, it's really me, uh, new to all of this. So please share any and all feedback you may have and give us a like, follow, and engage with us over on the social medias. We'll be over on Instagram and LinkedIn the most currently. But uh, we look forward to seeing you for the next episode, hopefully seeing you at conference. And we will talk to you soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye.